But um, we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit. I hope that you've enjoyed it. And um, I kind of got stuck in Ezekiel 37. I didn't plan on it, but um, I got stuck over here. It actually is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, I've preached from this passage of Scripture several times. And, um, you know, the Word of God is just so rich, so real, that every time you go back to the Word of God, you see something different. And I've probably have preached from this passage 10 times, but uh, God has just given me some fresh revelation as it pertains to this particular chapter. And uh, so today I'm going to close out this series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to close out. And uh, I want to talk to you about bare bones today. Bare bones. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I shared this thought with um, with our staff. And um, I'm going to start with this, and then I'm going to see if we can't put these bones back together. And I got 20, 19 minutes to do so. So would you let Jamie know that you love and appreciate her so she can take a seat? Yeah, we do. I don't believe that we are seeing the judgment of God in our nation right now. I don't believe that this is the judgment of God. Trust me, we're not there yet. But what I do believe is that what our nation, or any other nation for that matter, uh, looks like, this is what a nation looks like. God's just given us a little glimpse of what a nation looks like without God being the central figure of that nation or of that people. And so when we as God's people or as a nation disobey God, these are some of the things that come along with it. Just like in this story, I, I, I want you to watch how this kind of connects here. The nation of Israel had disobeyed God. They um, had forsaken him during this time and whenever you disobey God, it creates a distance. There's a barrier. You know it, you sense it, you feel that in your spirit. So disobedience creates a distance between you and your relationship with God. If you don't correct that uh, act of disobedience, it creates a disconnect. So the longer there is a the more distant you become with God, the more disconnected you become to God. Disconnected leads to dryness. So it starts with disobedience. There's a distance that is created. Disconnection comes, or to disconnect, and it creates a state of dryness. This is exactly where the nation of Israel uh, found themselves in Ezekiel chapter 37. This is what dryness looks like. This is what spiritual dryness looks like. It's found in verse 11 of Ezekiel 37. And it looks like this. They said, remember last week, they said there is no hope and we are cut off from our source. We have no future, we have no hope, and we have lost our source. If you or anyone else 
self-included, if, we ex- if, if you are in an extended, I'm not talking about a couple of days or a week, but if you find yourself in an extended period of dryness, spiritual dryness, where you feel like there's no hope, where you feel like there's no future, where you feel like you have been cut off from the source or cut off from God, it simply means that you can trace that back to an act of disobedience on your part. I I can almost promise you that every time you find yourself in an extended period of spiritual dryness in your life, you will discover that there was a place where you disobeyed God and didn't correct it. In other words, you didn't repent. And this is where Israel finds themselves. Because of their disobedience, it created a dryness in their life, which led to what? It led to captivity. They are in Babylonian captivity, 70 years. We we went over that last night. 70 years, they would be in Babylonian captivity. Babylon, and you'll hear about Babylon in the book of Revelation, uh, even in the last days, but Babylon is a demonic system that opposes God. That's the spirit of Babylon. It's a demonic system that opposes God. So in our case, it's not this uh, literal or physical Babylon. It is a spiritual Babylon. There is a spiritual Babylon. It is a demonic system that opposes everything of God. It is anti-God. And listen, there is a danger in falling into this system. There is a danger in drifting into this dryness. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 43. It says this, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes where? Through dry places. Through dry places. Seeking rest and finds none. This is the danger of living in a spiritual, dry, disconnected, distant place from God. This is where demonic, these are, this is where demons traffic. And I know we don't hear a lot about that in churches today, but we need to understand there is a real devil. There is a real devil. There is a kingdom of darkness. And so whenever there is a dryness, spiritual dryness for an extended period of time in our life, we expose ourselves, we place ourselves where where demonic spirits traffic. The Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us in John 10 and 10 that the devil comes, the thief comes to what? To steal, to kill and to destroy. Do you know what he wants? He wants to steal your dream, he wants to kill your hope, and he wants to destroy your life. Generationally. He's after families. And if you stay, or anyone else stays in this spiritual state long enough, this is what will happen. But how many are thankful that God has a plan? I said God has a plan. Because John 10 and 10 didn't stop there. The John 10 and 10 goes on to say that Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly here on this earth. So God had a plan to bring Israel out 
of their Babylonian captivity. God had a plan to bridge the distance between him and his people. And God has a plan to bring us out. And God has a plan to, to, to bring us to that place where we come out of dryness and we come into a watered land, a land that's flowing with God's milk, his word, and honey, the goodness of God. How many, how many are believing that that's where we're heading? Come on, online church, if you agree with me, put those hands together. God has a plan. And so could it be that God has used what has happened during this year to strip us down to bare bones? The phrase bare bones in and of itself means the barest essentials. And I thought about how interesting that was because that word essential has been out there for the last couple of months. And it's interesting. It's interesting because there's been debates on what, constitute, what constitutes uh, what is essential and what is non-essential. By the way, I'm going to go on the record and I'm going to say it right here that the church is essential. I said the church is essential. All right? It is necessary. Hello? And I know you know that, and I know that you believe that. It is necessary. It is essential. It is a vital part of the spiritual well-being of a nation. And you see what the enemy is trying to do? He is trying to distance us. <laughs> Social distance us. Because he knows that we are greater together, that one can put a thousand to flight, but you put two of us together, the Bible says we'll put 10,000 to flight. <laughs> Woo! Don't want to get ahead of my, there is no way that I have 15 more minutes because I feel like I could preach all day today. And so the enemy understands he's going to try to use this as a weapon to get us to disconnect not only from God but from each other. And this is why our groups are so vital. We've been preaching groups for five years. You have to be connected. The bones were disconnected. And when we are disconnected, we cannot fulfill the purpose that God has for our life because whether you believe it or not, we need each other. We need each other. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. The foot can't say to the mouth, I have no. We need each other. Can I get an amen right here? Amen. Yeah. So when you think about the church and you think about how essential we are, um, it seems as though many of the things that we thought we needed in order to have church, God says, I'm going to take that away. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to strip you down to bare bones. And so I shared this with the staff. Um, many of the things that we thought were essential to us being able to function as a church, we found out those were nice, but not necessarily needed in order for us to be a church. Hello? And so... So structures and all of those uh, programs and ministries, yeah, they're important. They're important. 
but not more important than our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. Come on, somebody. I feel like I need to push on this a little bit. I feel like I need to push on this a little bit because the enemy's even trying to divide us over what's going on, come on, with the information that's coming out. And I'm not going to get real political here today, but he's even trying to divide us over what this one thinks and what that one thinks because if he can break our unity, he can steal our anointing. How do I know that? Because Psalm 133 tells us, behold how good and pleasant it is for all of us to dwell together in unity. Why? Because it's like the oil, the anointing, that was poured upon the head of Aaron, the priest, and it ran throughout the whole body representing the church. So if he can break the the unity of the church, he can rob the anointing of the church, and it's the anointing that makes a difference. It's the anointing that makes a difference. See, it's the anointing that comes on singers like they did today that drives out evil spirits and pushes back darkness and brings in the glory of God. And um, that was all free. That wasn't even in the notes. So, Bear, I mean, we couldn't even use our building. I mean, it was funny because we have like 34,000 square foot feet of building. That's a pretty big size building. Seven and a half, half acres that we're going to enjoy next week, by the way. And um, it was like, we can't, even, we can't even use it. I mean, here we have this facility and... You know, we, hard work enabled us to do this, but for about two months, we couldn't even get in here and use this building. It's funny because when God put Ezekiel in this vision, he put him right in the middle of this valley of dry bones, which I think is interesting in the fact that God is saying, I'm going to put you right in the middle of this mess. I'm putting you right in the middle of this mess is because... You need to be able to identify and you need to be able to feel what those are feeling going through this period of time in the nation. In other words, you need to feel, Ezekiel, what it's like to feel hopeless and helpless without a future, without a vision, without a source. I want you to be able to feel that. So I'm going to put you right in the middle of this so that you can identify with my people, so that I can use you to bring them out, so that I can use you to say to them, there is another way. And we are not hopeless. We are not helpless. There is a future and there is a plan. And I want to use you to tell my people, I'm bringing you out. And I'm just telling you right now, God has a plan and it will trump everything It will trump everything that the enemy, oh, Jesus, I feel him now. It will trump everything that the enemy has formed against us. Come on, if you believe it, put those hands together and give the Lord praise. So, so church, I thought so too. So, so church, can you all see these people over here? They're over here. Anybody in the family room, let me hear you. (laughs) Uh, Lord help the family room. (laughs) So um, Ezekiel was left with 
a mess and God stripped him down to one thing. God gave him one thing. You know what he gave him? His word. He said, I want you to prophesy whatever I say. And so could it be that God has allowed us to be stripped of all of the fluff and the stuff and we're left with one thing and that is his word. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. Come on, somebody. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but God's word will remain throughout all eternity. And maybe what God is saying to you and I today is this. I've allowed all of this stuff to be removed. I've allowed it to be stripped so to show you that my word works no matter where you find yourself, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance looks like, my word is enough. You can stand on my word. You can take it to the bank. It will not return void unto me. It will accomplish that which I intended for it to do. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give him praise. Eight minutes. The only thing Ezekiel had in the valley was God's word. And when you lose everything, as long as you have God's word, you have enough. You have enough. You have enough to rebuild. You have enough to build on. If disobedience leads to dryness, then let's flip the coin and end on this. First closing. That obedience leads to spiritual awakening. Because I do believe that there is a spiritual awakening coming to this nation. I mean, come on, we've been at ease, as the Bible says, in Zion. Um, we've taken for granted some of our privileges that we have as a great nation. We've taken those things for granted. And um, the church has kind of been lulled to sleep. It's kind of like Samson in Delilah's lap. And we're, and we're trying to wake ourselves. And, and we've, we've been stirred a little bit only to find that that what we thought we had is no longer there. Samson lost his power. But I'm here to tell you that after we go through the shaking process, that we're going to shake ourselves again and realize that God's power has returned to the church and there is a great awakening coming to America again. I said it at the beginning of this series. I'm going to say it again. The enemy's going to have his chance and then God's going to stand up and say, move over, it's my time. And God's going to, God's going to have his way. He's going to have his way. Ezekiel 37, 7 through 8 says this, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, say a noise, and suddenly a rattling. Uh-huh. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews, the flesh came upon them, the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. In other words, there was still no spirit within them. God can take nothing and turn it into something. He'll take that which is chaotic, that which is void, that which is empty, Genesis chapter 1, and he'll just begin to speak. And when he speaks, he creates. That's the power of God's word. God can take dirt. Look at your neighbor. God can take dirt and make a prized jewel out of it. 
Come on, that person beside you is a prized possession of God. Come on, do you believe that? Right now, his crowning jewel. I'm trying to get you to see that God builds and rebuilds with his word. Creation. Right here with Ezekiel. We're going to put this thing back together, Ezekiel. But we're going to put it back together with my word. Prophesy what I tell you to say. And God is speaking to us. And God is speaking to us as a nation. And God is speaking to this church. And if we will say what God is telling us to say, and if we will obey and do what God is telling us to do, we will see things start to come together again. We will see unity come. We will see skin, which, is, which represents, oh, help me, Jesus. It represents leadership. We will see the army get back on its feet, and we will see the breath of God enter the house of God again and the people of God, and we will see the move of God. Come on, somebody. We will see it. So as soon as Ezekiel started, that was my introduction. As soon as Ezekiel started prophesying the word of God, the Bible said things started coming together. Could it be the reason that things are falling apart in our lives is we are saying the exact opposite of what God's word says? So get what God's word says about your situation, start speaking that word and watch things start come together. Right? Just watch it start come together. The first thing that happened was there was a noise. Everyone say there was a noise. In other words, there was a sound that was created when God's prophet began to speak. Have you noticed that every great power in the earth is accompanied by a great sound? There's nothing on this earth that has great power that doesn't also have a great sound to it. We used to live about a block away from the railroad tracks. And before, before you remember Ashley, yeah. Before, before we ever saw the train coming down the tracks, we could hear it. We could hear that locomotive coming down the tracks because every great Power has a great sound that is attached to it. I've never been in a tornado, and I hope I never am. But they say before you ever see the manifestation of that tornado, you hear the sound of that tornado coming, the power of it coming. Planes, powerful planes, able to lift these planes off the ground and able to fly at 500 miles an hour. But every great plane, powerful plane, has a powerful sound to it. That's why the guys and gals on the ground have these ear as they're, how am I doing? <laughs> Lord, help me land this plane. What I'm trying to get you to see is every great power has a great sound attached to it, accompanied to it. And this is why the enemy fights us so hard to rob us of our sound, to rob us of our voice. There is no great power on the earth that's not accompanied by a great sound. That's why the church cannot lose its shout. 
Come on, somebody. We cannot lose our shout. We cannot lose our praise. There is a great power that accompanies our shout. If you don't believe me, just ask Brother Joshua. There was a great shout and then a great manifestation of the glory of God. And what happened, church? The walls came tumbling down around Jericho. I believe the first thing that God is going to restore to the church is its voice. And the praise is coming back to the church. And a shout is coming back to the church. I believe that with all of my heart. I have so much that I want to say. Well, why'd you take so long on the introduction? I don't know. <laughs> Can you still see me, Adam? Thank you. You know, let me show you how powerful a shout is. Do you know how we're leaving this people planet? With a shout. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For God himself shall descend from Heaven with a what? Come on, help me out. With a shout. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds in the air. Could it be, could it be that if God is going to raise the spiritual dead as he did in Ezekiel's vision, that the first thing he's going to do is restore the shout to the church, to restore the praise to the church. If we want our power back, we better get our praise back, and we better not be afraid of it. You believe that this morning? Amen. I need you to stand to your feet, because if you don't, I'll keep talking. Hey, give me, give me the scripture in Acts. I want to show you this. Midnight. A dark time. A dark season. We're in a midnight season. What were Paul and Silas doing? Praying and praising. Pastor, what should I be doing during this time? Pray and praise. Pastor, what is God asking the church to do right now? Pray and praise. Because God has a plan. Why? Because people are listening. There's all these voices out there. There's all these things that are going on in our nation. So many sounds that are going forth. But there's only one voice that's going to set prisoners free. That's the voice of the church. The voice of the body of Christ. As they speak and proclaim God's word. There are prisoners that are listening. They're held captive right now. Remember Babylon? spiritual Babylon, captivity. Next verse. 
And suddenly, just as sudden as all this started happening, you're going to start seeing a reverse. Suddenly, there was a what? Great earthquake, rattling, sound, shaking, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Why is it important that the shout be restored to the church? The first thing, the voice be restored to the church? One, because people are listening. Prisoners are held captive. And if we will lift up our voice, prison doors will open. Prison doors will open. This is what I believe. I believe God's going to give us an opportunity through all of this that doors are going to be open for the church. Get ready. Doors are going to be open for us. There's going to be an opportunity. Doors represent opportunities. There's going to be an opportunity. We better be ready to step through that door. What are we going to do? We're going to preach to prisoners. We're going to preach to prisoners. And when we preach to prisoners, chains are going to fall off. People are going to be loosed and people are going to be set free. You watch and get, get, I'm telling you, we wouldn't be going through so much hell on earth right now if there wasn't a great plan of God getting ready to be released on this earth and you can't shut us down and you can't keep us quiet. Come on, somebody. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. An opportunity, a door is going to open. We're going to preach. Prison doors, are, our prisoners are going to be set free. If you keep reading this story, the jailer took Paul and Silas home and him and his whole household were saved. What am I saying? I'm saying that there's household salvation coming in these final days that we're living in. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There are people under the sound of my voice that this message is starting to resonate in your spirit. And maybe you have felt the disconnect and the distance in your relationship with you and your Lord. And maybe you're just in this dry place spiritually. And you're ready to come up out of that dry place spiritually. Would you just lift up your hand right where you're at? Just lift it up high right where you're at. Don't be afraid. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Don't be afraid. God bless you. Put it back down. Maybe you're in this room today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I, I, I don't know the Lord. I'm not serving Him. I've not committed my life to Him. I'm not, I've not asked Him to forgive me or... Maybe I did at one time, but I've not been serving him. And I want to rededicate my life to him this morning. And I just want you to lead me through that prayer, Pastor. Would you do that? If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right where you're at? Just lift it up. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly. Come on. Don't have a lot of time to, to linger here, but anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Now, here's what I want you to do. Those of you that raised your hand for this recommittal, Maybe you're watching us online. Maybe you have that dis 
distance and disconnect as well. Let's recommit. Let's reconnect. Would you pray this prayer with me? Everyone, would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you now to wash me in your blood. Cleanse me. I receive you. I recommit my life to serve you. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I receive your forgiveness. It is in your holy name that I pray and I receive. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. And thank you for bringing me out and bringing me into your plan and your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.